Welcome back to our study of the doctrine of the Trinity. In our last two sessions, we talked about Jesus himself claiming to be God and about the apostles confessing that Jesus is God in their writings. And today, in this session, we're going to talk about what it means for Jesus to be the Son of God. Jesus called God his own Father. He referred to himself as the Son. And so what does it mean for Jesus to be the Son of God? And how are we able to say that Jesus is both God and the Son of God. How do we put those things together? That's what we're going to be looking at in this session. Now, so far, we have dipped our toes into the waters of the Bible's teaching about the Trinity, and we've been slowly easing our way further and further into the pool, so to speak. But in this session, we're going to take a little bit bigger step into the depths of the doctrine of the Trinity. Uh, this session, what we're going to be covering here is a doctrine we call eternal generation. And this is something I myself have been learning more about lately, and I'm standing on the shoulders of others as I seek to explain this. And uh, I hope that you will join me in seeking to learn more about what the Bible means when it calls Jesus Son, Son of God, and when Jesus himself refers to himself as the Son. So let's look at what the Bible has to say about Jesus as the Son of God. The first thing to notice is that God the Father himself calls Jesus his Son. This happens on two particular occasions of great significance. One of them is the baptism of Jesus. You might remember in uh, Matthew chapter 3, where Jesus is baptized, of course, I'm, I'm sure you do remember this, Jesus is baptized in the Jordan River by John the Baptist. And when he is baptized, here's what Matthew says happens. This is in Matthew 3. It says, And when Jesus was baptized, immediately he went up from the water, and behold, the heavens were opened to him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and coming to rest on him. And behold, a voice from heaven said, This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. Now, this passage is very significant for the doctrine of the Trinity. In fact, I think we've already mentioned this passage once before. One of the reasons why it's so significant is because here in this one moment, you have the Father and the Son and the Spirit all present in one place at one time, as it were. But for our purposes today, what we're focusing on is the fact that God speaks from heaven, right? It says, a voice from heaven said, and we know this is the voice of God, a voice from heaven said, this is my beloved son. So God speaks from heaven at Jesus' baptism and says, that's my son. That's my son who I love. And if that's his son, then that, of course, means that God is Father. Those two things go together. But he confesses, he proclaims that Jesus is his son. And then again, this happens later in the Gospel of Matthew, when Jesus takes a few of his disciples up on what we call the Mount of Transfiguration. Uh, this is a, a moment from Jesus' life and ministry we don't talk about as much, uh, though we should, and that's where Jesus is transfigured before three of his disciples 
on this mountain, Moses and Elijah appear there with him. And again, God speaks from heaven. So what happens here, Peter, um, you know, is talking and it says, he, Peter, was still speaking uh, when behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them and a voice from the cloud said, this is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. Right, so once again, in this key moment where uh, in this instance, Jesus's glory is revealed as he's transfigured before them and they get a glimpse of who Jesus really is, God speaks from heaven again and says, this is my beloved son. So we know that Jesus is God's son, first of all, because God himself says so. On more than one occasion, God speaks from heaven and says, this is my son. But then Jesus also refers to himself as God's son and speaks of uh, his father, right? Of God as his father. For example, in John chapter five, it says, Jesus answered them. This is after he's just healed somebody on the Sabbath. Jesus answered them. My father is working until now and I am working. So he calls God his father, right? And he says, I'm doing the same thing my father's doing. And then it says, this was why the Jews were seeking all the more to kill him because not only was he breaking the Sabbath, but he was even calling God his own father making himself equal with God. So Jesus said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, the son can do nothing on his, of his own accord, but only what he sees the father doing. For whatever the father does, that the son does likewise. For the father loves the son and shows him all that he himself is doing, and greater works than these will he show him, so that you may marvel. For as the Father raises the dead and gives them life, so also the Son gives life to whom he will. For the Father judges no one, but has given all judgment to the Son, that all may honor the Son, just as they honor the Father. Whoever does not honor the Son does not honor the Father who sent him. So Jesus is talking at length about himself as the Son, the Son of God. And he talks about God as his Father. So this father-son language, right, is something that Jesus himself uses. God calls Jesus his son, and Jesus calls God his father, and Jesus refers to himself as the son. One more passage where Jesus refers to himself as son is Matthew 11, verse 27, where he says, all things have been handed over to me by my father, and no one knows the son except the father, and no one knows the father except the son, and anyone to whom the son chooses to reveal him. Okay, so it's very clear then, right, that Jesus is the Son of God. He calls himself Son. He calls God his Father. God calls Jesus his Son. Now, what do we make of that language? What does it mean for Jesus to be God's Son? Well, uh, when we talk about Jesus being the Son of God, we at the same time affirm that Jesus is God. And the question is, how can those two things be true? How do we uh, reconcile those two things? How can he be uh, the Son, for example, and still be eternal? How can Jesus be the Son of God and still be eternal? 
eternally God. How do those things go together? Well, in order to explain that, we need to remind ourselves of something that we all know to be true, though we may not have thought about it very much. And that is that when we talk about God, the language we use is the language of analogy. In other words, when we talk about God and use language like father and son, we don't mean those words, father and son, in the exact same way that we mean them when we talk about one another, when we talk about human beings. Right? God is not a father in the same way that I'm a father. And uh, Jesus is not a son in the same way that my sons are sons, or in the same way that I'm a son. But there is some real connection, some real relationship, some real analogy between what it means for God to be father and me to be father, or for Jesus to be son and me to be son. They're not, we're not using that language, in other words, exactly the same way when we talk about God and when we talk about ourselves, but we're using it by way of analogy or analogously, all right? So that's important to remember so that we don't go astray. Because if we try to press the language of father and son and make it uh, literal or what uh, people call equivocal, where it means exactly the same thing when we use it about ourselves and we use it about God, then we will distort what the Bible is saying about God as father and Jesus as son. All right, now if that seemed confusing, hang on with me for just a few more seconds. Let me try to make it um, a, a little more practical. All right, so here's what I mean. Here's why we need to talk about that. All right, God being father and Jesus being son does not mean that Jesus has a beginning like other sons have a beginning. In other words, somebody might say, well, if Jesus is the son of God, well, sons come after their fathers. So that must mean that Jesus, the son of God, is not eternal, but had some sort of beginning after the Father. But that's not what we mean, and that's not what the Bible means when it calls Jesus Son. Somebody might also say, well, sons, at least at the beginning, at least initially, are less than their fathers. They have less authority, they have less strength, they have less privilege, right, etc., than their fathers do. Their fathers are greater than they are. So if Jesus is the Son, doesn't that mean that Jesus is somehow less than God? Maybe just a little bit less, but wouldn't he have less authority, less power, less strength, less rank, etc.? But that's not what we mean either. Somebody else might say, okay, if God is Father and Jesus is Son, then who is God's wife? Doesn't Jesus have, doesn't the Son of God have a mother? Well, of course, when Jesus took on flesh, he was born of the Virgin Mary. So according to his human nature, he has a mother. But as God, he doesn't have a mother. In other words, there was no, uh, there was no mother involved in God the Son uh, being begotten, right? He, he didn't begin in time. He didn't have 
a mother in that sense, and he's not in any way less than God the Father. But all of those things are things that people might say and uh, uh, say about Jesus, about the Son, that would distort what the Bible is actually saying about him. And the reason they would say those things is because they're pushing the language of Father and Son too far. They're making the Father-Son relationship between God the Father and God the Son too much like a human relationship between Father and Son. Right? How do we know that Jesus did not have a beginning? How do we know that Jesus as the Son of God uh, did not come into being at some point after, um, or did not begin to exist, so to speak, like after the Father. We know God never began to exist because God is eternal. And Jesus is not only the Son of God, but he's God. He's also eternal. And we know that because the Bible says in John 1, for example, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And it's that Word that became flesh and dwelt among us. And the Bible says we have seen His glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father. So the Word is the Son, Right? It's the Word who took on flesh, that's Jesus, right? but the Word was also in the beginning with God, and in the beginning was God, which means that the Word was not created. The Word did not have a beginning. The Word is equal with God, as we've seen already in a previous session from the Scriptures. So, to say that Jesus' is Son does not mean that... Uh, that he has a beginning, right? To speak of the Son of God is not to speak of someone who's less than God, who came into existence at some point, who uh, existed after God had already existed. No, the Son of God is God, is eternal, has always existed. When we say that Jesus is the Son, we don't mean that he is a creature with a beginning. When we, say that, when we talk about the Son of God, we don't mean that He's a creature with a beginning. We don't mean that He's inferior in any way to the Father, that He's less than the Father in any way. Instead, we affirm what we call eternal generation. And that is that the Son right, is eternally God and is eternally Son. So He is the Son of the Father, but unlike with human fathers and sons, there was no beginning to this father-son relationship. This is, it does not at all imply that the Son of God came into existence at some point. No, he has eternally existed. He has always existed. That's why we call it eternal generation, right? Or uh, some people use the phrase eternally begotten, right? He's begotten because he's son, but he is not anything less than eternal because he is God. So that's what we mean by eternal generation. And we see this idea in uh, the, the creeds, the confessions of the church, right? In the Apostles' Creed, we say, I believe in God the Father Almighty. So there's the Father language, right? I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only begotten Son, our Lord. So he's begotten of God, 
the Father, right? We affirm both of those things. And then when things get a little bit clearer and more detailed in the Nicene Creed, it says this, We believe in one Lord Jesus Christ, the Son of God, begotten of the Father as only begotten, that is, from the essence of the Father, God from God, light from light, true God from true God, begotten, not created, of the same essence as the Father. And what those phrases, all those phrases they're piling up there are meant to highlight is that, yes, He is the Son of God, but He is in no way less than God. Yes, He is begotten of God, but that doesn't mean He was created, right? That's why they say begotten, not created. He's not in any way less than God. He's from the essence of the Father, right? He's God from God, light from light, true God from true God. In other words, just because he's begotten doesn't mean he's less than God or inferior to God in any way. So um, this is what we mean, though we might not have thought much about it, right? This is what we mean when we talk about the Son of God. We don't mean that the Son is less than the Father. We don't mean that the Son had a beginning because He was there in the beginning with God. And in the beginning, He was God. And so if somebody asks us, well, how can a Son have existed as long as His Father? Right? How, how can, if, if God the Father is eternal, how can God the Son be eternal? And our answer to that is, one, That's what the Bible teaches us. Two, we're talking about God, and so the language of Father and Son doesn't work in exactly the same way it works with human beings. God is not a father in this exact same way that human beings are fathers. The Son of God is not a son in the exact same way that human beings might be sons. We're using the language in terms of an analogy. It's similar, but it's not the same. Now, if if someone rejects these truths, and if someone does insist on saying that the Son uh, at some point did not exist, at some point must have come into being, and, and things like that, then that leads us into an old heresy that's still alive and well called Arianism. Arius uh, said famously, in, infamously rather, there was a time when the sun was not. And uh, that's not just something from way back in the early days of the church that someone would say something like that, but uh, there are still those who say things very similar to what Arius said. And so next time, Lord willing, we'll talk about this old heresy of Arianism, how it goes wrong and misunderstands what the Bible says about the Son and why we need to be aware of that heresy, um, be on guard against it, and be able to explain what the Bible truly says about the Son in order to avoid these misunderstandings and false statements about the Son of God, our Savior. God bless. Lord willing, I'll see you next time.